All right, we're going to dig into the scripture. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can get ready, and I'll set us up. But we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. And now those of you who know your word, you're like, uh-oh. Some of you are, are, are a little nervous. But I promise uh, God's going to bring something beautiful from this, I believe, if, as the, if the Spirit has His way. But we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes, and how befitting, Car, Miss Carla didn't know this, but she had read from the book of Proverbs. Well, that would have been the wisdom literature. This is a part of that. Uh, we believe the King Solomon most likely wrote Ecclesiastes. Um, he also wrote Proverbs. Well, Proverbs would have been while King Solomon was probably in his right mind. He was in the will of God. He was, and that's why he says, in all your ways, trust in the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him. See, I love that. She didn't know I was going here. That was Solomon in his right mind, giving you good wisdom. Now we're going to see Solomon in his darker day. He's older. He's, uh, he, he has rebelled against God. He's, he's, he's backslidden is what we call it in the church. He's turned away from God. He's winked at idolatry and he's let that into his kingdom and God never wanted that. And he's, he's in a place of compromise and he's running from the Lord and he's, you know, we often will say that this is a book written by a backslidden preacher. But the truth of the matter is it's part of our scripture and I believe that that's for us to read, to glean some wisdom and encouragement from, to read from King Solomon in his dark day. All right? So let's jump into this. I'm going to be in chapter 1, verses 12 is where we'll start. If you are able and can stand in reverence to God's Word, please do that. We're going to read verse 12. Just a couple verses here. Verse 12, it says, The preacher was king over Israel, and I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given us to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. Verse 14, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Or some translations will say, chasing the wind. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this time we have together. I pray that you would sharpen our spirits this morning. Help us to be open and receptive to you speaking to us. God, I pray through the scripture and through what we discuss as a church family now, I pray that you would speak to us through it. Your spirit would speak to the church what we need to hear, what we need to know. We'd walk away feeling better than we came, but also feeling more empowered and, and ready for what is to come in our lives and prepared, Lord, to, to carry on in this, this race of faith. God, be with us this morning. We give you this time in the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. You can be seated. Some translations say, Chasing the Wind. And I particularly like that. That's going to be the title for this morning, Chasing the Wind. Have you ever pursued something or been in your day-to-day -day life, you start a task, and you realize it's at some point you feel it's pointless now? You feel like, why, why am I doing this? You ever have those moments? I have those too often. Uh, Lenny jokes, and she says, you know, when we're cleaning the house, I get distracted too easily. And I'll just pick some random 
task that I, I don't know, I see something and I'm like, oh, let me go fix this. And so she has this phrase, she jokes now, and she says, Shane's just leaf blow in the attic. I'm like, it drives me nuts when she says that, because that's not a thing, you know that. You don't leaf blow the attic, that makes no sense. But see, don't you ever feel like in, at times you, you'll, you'll be in a task, you'll be in perfect here. How did you get that? I didn't download that. I forgot this morning. Man, Brother Josh is working in the spiritual realm right now. I made that graphic, and I didn't actually get to put it in there. Um, You're awesome. You ever felt like you're doing a task, and it's just like, why am I doing this? Why? What's the point? Now, maybe you haven't been there, so I'm preparing you for the day when that does happen. You're, you're doing something, whether it's for the Lord or just, just something in life, and you're like, man, you get to a point where I, I feel like I'm chasing the wind. Is, am I the only one who has ever felt like that at times? Where I'm just, it's just, maybe I haven't had tragedy, but it's just not a great day for whatever reason. And I feel like everything I'm trying, and it's just, it's just not working. And I feel like I'm chasing the wind. And that is exactly how King Solomon is feeling and describing. And we're going to get into some of his worldview and where I think there's more for us to learn. But we've got to start there. I think this morning we need to learn and read into what does it mean to chase the wind. There is a wind that I'm chasing, but it's, it's not like King Solomon's thinking. Life is not for nothing. Your task is not just for nothing. God has given you a task and a mission. He's put breath in your lungs for a purpose. And if nobody else has told you that, then I will. I rebuke these lies of the, the, that speak over depression and anxiety over your life that say you have no meaning. What you're doing is silly and foolish. You might as well quit and stop now. I, I don't have time for that. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Amen? So that's what we're going to dig into this morning. We're going to explore this because he repeats it. And I, I encourage you to read this when you're in a good state of mind. <laughs> when, read Ecclesiastes when you're feeling okay. Don't read it when you're down in the dumps. Okay? But he repeatedly will say, it's, life is just pointless. He, even, he, he quotes it often. He says, life is meaningless. It's just like chasing the wind. And I'm, I'm encouraged because it's, it's so much more than that. So much more than that. And so here's a challenge that I'm, I want you to think of and ask yourself this morning. Where does God fit into your worldview? See, King Solomon, I think he got, he got maybe step one of his worldview right. But man, did he mess up parts. And so I, I need to lighten you up. I can tell you're worried because we're in Ecclesiastes. And so there was this child Uh, He asked his father, and you may have recognized this. He said, how were people born? His father said, well, Adam and Eve made babies. And then their babies became adults and made babies and so on. And the child then went to his mother and asked the same question. And she told him, well, we we were monkeys, and then we evolved to become like we are now. The child ran back to his father, confused. He said, you lied to me. His father replied, no, your mom was just talking about her side of the family. Nah, wah, wah. All right, I'm going to get you there. But this morning, what makes up your worldview? This is really, this is a, a message to challenge all of us, myself included. When I'm having a, a down day, I have to reflect on this. What is my worldview? How do I look at the world? 
And really, there's four questions that make that up. I remember years ago, it was 2019, we taught this in the young adult group, so they probably remember this. But I felt like somebody needed to hear it this morning, and that is these four questions that make up our worldview. The first is, where did I come from? The second is, why am I here? The third is, how should I live? And the fourth is, where am I going? You know that your answers in your head right now to those four questions is what makes up your worldview. And I'm telling you, if you can't align your worldview with the Bible, then you're going to find yourself like Solomon, like the preacher here, where he's like, man, he looks at all kinds of things. I mean, you could really... Even break down, we could preach a series on Ecclesiastes because he talks about, well, I've tried everything. I've tried wealth, and all that was just meaningless and pointless. And he goes on and on. I've tried all this, riches, and, and it was all meaningless. And so it is in our lives. It's meaningless if we don't have a worldview consistent with what God says our worldview is, what the Bible says our worldview is. Now, ironically, I think... King Solomon had the first part right. He asked, you know, the question, where did I come from? He knew. Throughout Ecclesiastes, he says, creator, creator. He even uh, tells the youth to acknowledge your creator. Okay, he's got that right. But if he's spiraled into this deep, dark depression and day that he's in, he must have missed the remaining questions. And so, I know this will be different, but I'd like to spend some time and dig into these questions and give some biblical responses to equip you. Because when I'm having a down day, I have to go back to this. Where did I come from? And depending on my answer, that's either going to help me or hurt me. If I'm, I'm either going to feel worse or I'm going to feel a little better. And then my next question, why am I here? And that answer is either going to make me feel even worse or a little better. How should I live? Well, again, and where am I going? Maybe that's probably the, the, the biggest question of us all sometimes is like, where am I going in life? Where am I going when I die? And your answer to those questions will either make you feel a little worse or a little better. And I believe that there are biblical responses. So if you'll permit me, that's what I'd like to dig into for the remainder uh, of our time together is looking at these and giving our answers according to the Bible. Amen? So number one, then, where did I come from? Now look, I understand that this feels elemental, but when you're, when you're struggling and you're having a dark day and you're like, man, I'm just down and I need prayer, I'm telling you, your worldview will help. Now I can't promise you that this is a magic pill or magic words that will just snap you out of that dark season, but I'm telling you, it might give you just enough stamina to be able to get through it until you get out of that dark season. I'm telling you. So the first thing is, where did I come from? Well, you can start in Genesis. I don't plan to preach the whole Bible, so don't get nervous. I'm not ending in Revelation. But Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. 126, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. It's an early indication of his relational nature. I like this. See, it's one thing to just be created by a God. I mean, that's part of it. Absolutely. I'm created by a God, but it's so much more. I've been created by a relational God, a God who actually wants to be with me. 
Amen? He wants to be with me. See how that just changes the whole mix? It's one thing. You might have a parent that might not have want to do anything to do with you. And so you're like, okay, I've got a father, but he, he doesn't want to do any, he doesn't want anything to do with me. That, that, that doesn't feel good, does it? But if that father desperately wants to be with you and wants a relationship and wants to connect, doesn't that completely change the dynamic? Anybody hearing me this morning? That is our heavenly father, not just a God who created us and, and, and then decides to just move on and make something else and make something else new. He wants to be in relationship with you and I. I'm telling you, that helps me out on days where I'm like, God, I just I'm I, I feel like I'm struggling. I'm just like things I'm trying, they're not working or or maybe I'm just I'm getting bad news or this or that. I can ba- come back to my worldview and I can say, wait a minute, where did I come from? I came from the creator of the universe who just spoke the stars into existence. And yet that same person actually wants to be my friend. I'm telling you, that does something for me. It's, it, I mean, the creator, the one who spoke the cosmos into existence. He wants to be in relationship with me. I mean, you could even look at the, the, one of the longest verses in the Bible, and I'm being sarcastic. John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. Some of you, you just memorized a verse right then and there. You've got one. You could say, man, my pastor taught me a scripture this morning. You could walk out saying, Jesus wept. Well, why would he weep if he wasn't a relational God? Why would he weep if, when he looked, you know, and we won't get to it, but if you read it, he's moved by the compassion and moved by the emotions when he gets there and he sees all his companions and all his loved ones mourning. That's when he cries. It doesn't say that he cried once he heard that Lazarus had died in that story. He cries when he sees and feels the emotion. He bears that with them. God bears your emotion with you. He's a relational God. When you're down, He's right there with you. He knows what it's like to have a heavy burden on Him in in the flesh. He knows what it's like. and He's a relational God and He's with us. But see, the thing is, if I don't acknowledge that I have been created by a relational God that wants to be with me, then it re- life really is just like chasing the wind. And see, King Solomon, when he writes this, he's, he's, he's not aligned with God in this moment. He, he's not. He's, he's backslidden. He's, 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 he's turned away from God. So this is a view of life without God in the mix. And I'm with you. I think that it's like chasing the wind. If I don't acknowledge that there's a Creator that loves me intimately, that died for me, that wants to be in relationship with me, if that's not the case, then I'm just chasing the wind. Amen? So the second question then, I'll keep an eye on our time here. Second is, why am I here? Man, that question could mess you up if you're not ready for an answer with a biblical perspective. Why am I here? You think about different stories in the Bible when people are down. And man, they're like, you know, like Elijah, we, we preached several weeks back. God's like, what are you doing here? And sometimes we're like, man, I don't even, why am I even here? Have you ever thought that to yourself? Why am I here? 
Well, here we go. I like this. There's, if, if we were created by a relational God, then that means he has intended for us to live and operate in relationship. Are you with me? There's a relationship that we ought to be embracing and living in. And I think there's two aspects to that. There is a vertical relationship where I acknowledge my creator. And I say, God, thank you for wanting to be my friend. Like James 2.23, he calls us a friend. It says friend of God. The most important relationship you've got on this earth is with your heavenly father, period. That is number one, where it's like, God, when everybody and everything else could fall away, I've got you. He's got me. Jesus turned the whole world upside down through relationships, and I think we ought to as well. And so the second aspect of this relationship is there's this horizontal relationship. You know that you and I were designed We were designed to need one another. Isn't that amazing? He makes uh, Adam, right? And then he sees in Genesis 2.18 that man's not good to be alone. He he creates the helper, the soulmate to go with Adam. So Adam and Eve, you know my favorite scripture, Proverbs 27.17. We're to sharpen one another, to make each other better. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see this. You, we, you and I were made for relationship. Galatians 6, to bear one another's burdens. Matthew 18.20, we like saying this, where two or more are gathered, there I am with them. Romans 12 where it says, so in Christ, though many form one body and each member belongs to the others. And you could even look at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. Man, I'm, I'm covering all of, I know I'm covering a lot of ground because this is what should make up our worldview. See, because when you're down and, and you're struggling and you try to answer these questions with man's wisdom, you're going to be just like Solomon. And you could read it. You could read it where he's like, man, this is a horrible task that you've given us, God, because life is just pointless. Life is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Well, that is what it's like without God in it, without a worldview that God has intended us to possess. That's what it's like. But I'm here for relationship. So where did I come from? I came from a relational God, not just a God who decided to sit and forget and just make me and move on. Nope. I was made by a relational God. Well, now why am I here? I'm here to embrace relationship, to embrace relationship with my heavenly father and to embrace relationship with one another. We were made and designed for that. Now, look, if you're an introvert like me, that may not excite you. But I do love coming together and being in relationship, even as an introvert. If I don't acknowledge that people, there are people that care about me and people that I care about, then life is just like chasing the wind. And so how should I live? That's the next question then. Well, if I'm made by a relational God, and I'm made for relationship. Well, then how am I supposed to do this thing called life? Anybody ever just ask yourself that? Or you've thought it in different words? How should I live? Well, I should live like I've got a beautiful relationship that I want to keep. 
I want to nurture. I want to take care of it, right? I mean, what you think about in, if you're married, you know, think about the quickest way that you could sort of lose your spouse. Aside from absence, it would just be unfaithfulness. And so the question for you and I is, are we unfaithful to our Creator? Are we un- unfaithful? Have we been cheating on God with idols or whatever it is where we've got time for everything and everybody other than God? Are we cheating on Him then? Y'all know Lenny would let me have it if I've got more time for, for other women than her. You with me? I'm trying to make sure somebody's with me. I'm trying to get here so we're here together. Because are we cheating on God where we're like, man, I got time for this idol. I got time for this and that. And I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to make you better through the Scripture. The Spirit wants us to be better. See, I've got to ask myself that. How should I live and how am I living? Am I living in a way that I've got all these idols? I'm asking God all these things, but yet I don't want to give Him the time of day. I don't want to read what he has to say. He actually spoke words that were recorded for us to be able to read. And it's like he's speaking to us today. But yet some of us don't even bother. We've even got it on our phones and our tablets. And we don't even bother to pick it up. I won't give God the time of day sometimes. But yet I'm asking him for all these things. and, And it's almost like they've become idols in my life. I had a pastor friend. Recently, we were talking about that, things that we're praying for. And I love his encouragement to me. He said, man, I'm believing for these things with you. But remember that sometimes these things could become an idol if you give it too much power in your heart. You give it too much room in your heart, it's now an idol. So how should I live? Man, I should live like I've got a beautiful relationship and I want to nurture it and I want to keep it. I want to keep it with my Heavenly Father. I'm going to do my best. Look, I get it. There's all kinds of things that consume our time, and I'm not here to make you feel bad. But I've got to set some time aside. Those that are married, you've got to set some time aside for your spouse, right? Or if you're dating, you, you date, right? You actually go somewhere. You spend time together. We've got to do that with God. How should I live? I should live like I've got a beautiful relationship. And I want to nurture it and take care of it. I want to spend time. I want to read this beautiful love letter that was written to me. I want to spend time in worship. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to spend time in reading the word. And even in fellowship. Yes, I've got this relationship, but then we've got this one. This might blow your mind. But I think that it is the will of God that we fellowship. It's not just because church groups decided they like to eat together like that is a biblical principle you watch some people have said jesus ate his way through the gospels i'll take it let's eat let's fellowship let's do it we are in the will of god we're better because of it we've got a beautiful relationship that we ought to be nurturing amen so how should i live that's that's how i should live see because the problem is if if you aren't answering these with a biblical perspective, man, it's a dark day. It's a dark day. I've been there at times where I don't, I don't answer like I should. And God's like, I'm here, but you, you're missing me. You're missing me here. Because you're not focused on what I, I, I'm, how I want you to be answering these questions. You're not trying to be with me. You're, just tr- you're trying to understand everything in your own wisdom. That's like King Solomon, right? Proverbs is this heavenly wisdom that God gave him. 
And it was good. We trust the Lord in all our ways. In all our ways, acknowledge Him. Well, then we get to Ecclesiastes, and he's like, just forget it. Just forget it. Because he's not aligned with God in that moment. I'm telling you, God is, he's wanting us to, to understand this and have a biblical worldview. Because it really shapes all of your decisions. It shapes your day to day. Man, when I'm struggling, I'll go back to this. And I'm not saying it's a magic, oh, I feel great and sunshine, lollipops and roses. It, it may not do that. But sometimes when I have those dark moments, I'll, I'll reflect on these questions and it will get me through that until I can get around a brother or sister that encourages me in the word or I can get time to worship or until that, that season or that moment turns, at least for me, these questions and answers, when I keep it in a biblical context, they'll get me through. And I believe and trust that they will get you through. So how should I live? I should live like I've got a beautiful relationship to keep. Where am I going? That's that last question. Well, we, are, we, we know the answer, right? It's a loaded question. But do we live like it? Man, I am go, where am I going? I'm going to be in an eternal relationship with the creator of the universe. I mean, how many of you would think it's cool? I mean, maybe, I don't know. You think of your favorite president in the United States, and the current one might not be your favorite by any stretch, but you think of one that maybe is your favorite. How cool would it be to say, yeah, I'm buddies with that guy? Or you think of whatever famous actor or actress or sports uh, athlete, you think of that person and be like, man, I know that guy. And yet... And wouldn't that change sort of the, your conversation at the dinner table or around the water cooler at work, you know? I don't know, you think of some famous good guy or girl that you, you're, you like to follow. It changes your conversation. But like, yeah, the other day I got to hang out with so-and-so. I don't know. Somebody give me like a famous name because I, I don't get out much. Famous name? John Wayne. I know John Wayne. Never, see, I was worried you are going to say something I didn't know. John Wayne, yeah, I'd be like, I mean, I believe he's deceased now, but assume he's living. Uh, I'd be like, yeah, this weekend, you know what I did? I went horse riding with John Wayne. You know, he actually knows how to ride horses. Isn't that cool, right? And you'd be telling all your buddies, right? And you'd be like, woo, buddy, I know John Wayne. Hey, John Wayne, I need some help. I want to make a movie, or I want to make an ad for my Facebook page. Will you give me some pointers, right? Where am I going, right? Well, I've got a friend who made the universe, period. I mean, nothing else needs to be said. He spoke and stars came into existence. He spoke and then all of a sudden man started breathing. And yet, for some reason, I forget that that's where I get to go. I get to go be with him forever. That's where I'm going. That's who I want to talk about. Doesn't that change your whole worldview and perception? Man, I ought to be talking about Him. Man, I've got this great reward at the end of life. And you know what? Even during life, I've got this awesome friend who's with me. But what happens is we don't acknowledge that while we're here. We don't acknowledge that. And I get it. But you need to begin to ask yourself, where am I going? I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be with Him. And that doesn't have to just end and start at the end of your life. That could start now. That could, it could start now and say, Jesus, I need you here right now. God, I, I'm coming to meet you right now. Let's talk. I need you in this moment because I'm headed to be with God. 
2 Corinthians 5.1, it says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and we leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. I hope this is encouraging somebody. It is helping me. I'm, like Dr. Rutland says, I'm getting a lot off my chest. If nobody else is feeling better, I'm going to be with God. I'm going to be with Him in my prayer time. I'm going to be with Him in my worship. I'm going to be with Him when I die. And I can hold a worldview that makes, gives me some comfort now knowing that it's not just chasing the wind. My life is not just chasing the wind. It does have purpose and it has meaning. Miss Carla, if I could just get some worship. I'm going to wrap us up here. But you know, God is so good with illustrations. Last week I shared an illustration, and I got another one that fits from this morning. Last week I told you about the dogs that had gotten loose. And man, I feel like that was God wanting me to have something to share with you, because that had never happened. Uh, and so this morning, you know, I... Again, with the dogs. I don't know what it is the last two weeks. So part of our Sunday morning routine is we let the dogs out in the backyard. Um, now I've got one bigger brute of a dog that I have to put him on a leash line. Uh, we love him, but he's dumber than a rock, and he would just disappear. He will run right for the road and as the semi comes by. I mean, it's just, I don't know. And then our other dog, she's small, but she is, she's just the smartest dog I've ever, ever met. She, she's a good girl, so she gets the privilege of not being on the leash because she'll stay in the yard. And we don't have a fenced-in yard. We're surrounded by fields. Um, you know, in the, the summer, they, I think it's tobacco fields. And about now, they're getting it ready for the cows. But it's just a bunch of farmland. And uh, this morning, see, last morning I told you about how they broke the leash, and that was pretty wild. But this morning, I let them out early. Well, and then I let him back in, and we got ready. We all hop in the car, and I start to back up. And I see Maisie, the good girl. She's just kind of like slowly trotting like around the corner of the house like, hey, guys, what are you doing? You know, it's almost like she was saying that like, uh, what's up? I didn't realize that Lenny had let them out right before we got in the car, and she forgot too, so we didn't let them back in. But let me tell you, Maisie, she's so smart, but she's so hyper. She's a wild child. She might be smart and listen, but she's wild. So normally what we do when, before we let her out, she sees a squirrel or, a, or she'll see a bird. And I'll get her all amped up and I'll open the door and she'll. Phew, and I'll tell you what, twice now she's actually caught a squirrel. She's bit it and I heard it screech because she's fast as lightning. And she's went and she's got it. And I hear that little squirrel. I mean, I never heard a squirrel, but they, they squeak. It's like the toys, I guess, at Walmart. I mean, maybe that's why. But man, she'll, she'll get there so fast. And so when we're in the car backing up and I see Maisie trotting around the corner, like that's not her typical mode. She's never just kind of slowly walking. And it's because she had, she had, nothing to go towards she, there was nothing there's nowhere she was going when i let her out the door she knows where she's going she's chasing the first thing she sees bird squirrel person i mean whatever she's going for it but this morning she had nothing to go after 
And I feel like in our walk, in our lives, sometimes it's like that. We get so depressed when we're separated from God. We become like King Solomon where we're like, man, it just feels like it's for nothing. It feels like I'm just chasing the wind. And I'm here this morning to remind you that you do have something to chase. You do have somewhere to go. You go to mama. <laughs> we're going to the Father. Amen? I'm pursuing Him. Would you stand to your feet? In my own human attempts of wisdom without God, it's exactly like chasing the wind. It's pointless. It's meaningless. But when I frame things like I need to and I make God a central aspect of my worldview, it's a different kind of wind we're chasing. And, and I don't. this excites me. I don't know how you'll resonate with this. But I'm chasing a wind that actually matters. I'm chasing something different. I'm chasing like the Acts chapter 2 wind where it says when they, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And then what? Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring wind and it filled the house. That's the kind of wind I'm actually chasing and wanting. I want God to be with us. I want God to be with me. I want that fresh wind of Pentecost where the Spirit Himself comes to be with us. That's what I'm wanting. I'm not just chasing just the wind like King Solomon. I'm chasing that Acts chapter 2 kind of wind and it's got purpose and it's got meaning and it says that you have a place in this world. You have a purpose in this world. There's a place that you are going and you've got to rebuke the enemy when he tries to tell you the otherwise. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your scripture. I think